0: custom rods
1: welcome back to the studio everyone we are joined here today by a special guest we have matt klug in the studio today welcome
2: how are we doing today
1: great good, good thanks for being here absolutely thanks for having me so tell us about yourself matt
2: uh well i'm a full-time fishing guide i'm pretty much just uh i guess i'm a fishing freak i don't that's pretty
0: much all i do live breathe eat sleep fishing now was this i mean i know this is kind of a newer career change for you yep um did you
1: used to be a baseball player because when you search How Matt How did Klug, you know?
0: <laughs> no, I definitely was not a baseball player. When you,
1: when you Google Matt Clug, it comes up baseball really? player.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, we can go with that. Yeah, let's we'll do um, that. No, we have all your trading cards, so yeah. you, were, you weren't very good. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> I'm worthless.
2: <laughs> no, um, I'm actually... Uh, I was a machinist by trade for quite a few years, and basically what happened is I was guiding more than I was working last year, and one day at work, my boss... Didn't make me real happy, and I'm like, Ooh. you know what? Let's uh, let's just go fishing, and I've well, been fishing ever
0: since. It's better to enjoy your Absolutely. job, even if you're not making as much money. Correct. It's way better to be happy and free. And I definitely make less money, but I'm way happier. Oh, and your, your stress levels are right. less. You're probably healthier in general. Right. Because um, work stress is very tough. For sure. I mean, sure. now my only stress is,
2: which spot am I going to fish today? And so, are we going to catch fish or not? Well, so of course we're going to.
0: Wintertime. But, uh, how do you figure that? Like, how do you dissect a lake when you? I mean, because I know for me, I mean, you're a guide, so you mm-hmm. gotta you gotta kind of perform every every right. week. So you have to dissect lakes. Well, f- well, before even that, where where are you doing the guiding
2: at? Um. So it kind of depends on the. year. So during the summer, I'd say eighty percent of my guiding is on Malax. So you do both summer and winter. Yeah. Um, I also do some smaller lakes for crappies, walleyes around St. Cloud, Alexandria area. Um, but in the winter time, I would say most of my fishing is between St. Cloud and Alexandria. Early oh, ice, a I do. lakes there. What's that? There's yeah, there lakes. is. Um, and once you can drive on Mille Lacs, I really have no interest in going out there. There's just too many people out there. The fishing is tough. You know, I mean, you I don't know how you can expect to get inside of a group of 600 people and expect to... Hammer the fish, but everybody seems to seems to want to do it. So they
0: just keep pushing and pushing. They just and what, keep pushing, and it's for most people. Like you, I know, for me, for the Metro, like you drive to Malax and you catch yep. five walleys a day. Well, that's that's better than you do down here. Yeah, and that's so. better than you could do for most part. And even for if sure. you can't keep any, it's still it's a lot more fun to catch a couple of fish and release them. I know Dan doesn't eat fish, so he's the I don't oddball. I'm the of weird guy. The entire world.
2: I really I bet you I only eat fish five six times a year. I really don't. And I fish almost every day.
0: Well, that's good. That's no, I love eating fish. <laughs> I but do But I only too. I eat panfish in the wintertime. Right. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not really one to, you know, go hammer walleyes and eat a bunch of them. It's just that's not my cup of tea. I'd right. rather eat panfish. Yeah,
2: I'll take bluegills over just about anything. I mean, if I could get perch, I would take perch, but we don't have those. So not like North Dakota, right. Does.
1: I've never had good luck on Mille Lacs in the winter. No. Never.
2: Well, I'm going to guess you probably never went early ice.
1: No, I mean, I don't have a snowmobile. Yeah. I don't you, have a 4 wheel. You're going
2: out when the roads are plowed, and there's mm-hmm. a ton of other people out there. And you can have success, don't get me wrong. It's just, it's a lot fewer and farther between uh, getting those really good days. Like, you basically got to hit
0: the weather just perfect. Yeah. And so. you probably have to fish water that hasn't been... Correct, drilled to the max.
2: And if you've ever been out on Malax in the wintertime, there's not a lot of water that doesn't have a road plowed to it. Mm-hmm. Like every flat out there has a road plowed to it. It kind of hundred
0: plus ice castles it, on it. It kind of looks like there's no snow on Malax after a while. For sure.
2: So last winter there was actually uh, there was a guy at a seminar I was at. He works for the DNR. He said there was, but uh, what the heck was it? Ten thousand wheelhouses out there in one weekend is what they estimated. Ten thousand. And that was not including. Rental houses or portables. That My, was just just people wheelhouses, wheelhouses going through resorts. Holy Ten thousand. So we're talking twenty 000 to sixty thousand people in one weekend. And there that's was insane.
0: there people were able to keep one, one fish. fish. Correct. So that tells me that there is.
1: But that's the reason we were shut down in July up there, hmm. because of the winter was so. They harvested so much in the winter.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I'm I mean, not even gonna that, get into that. Yeah, I don't know. That, I don't let's that, not even get into that. I think this that. podcast can't
1: do that. We can't no, get I not, into I'm all. not trying to be political. I just thought that was what they said. I thought that's what the press release really
2: said. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I try not to even read it because
0: I don't know I mean you've fished on Malax. There's more right. walleyes oh, there's and tons and big of them. smallies Absolutely. than ever. And I think they're at a little bit of a critical point where there's a lot of big ones in the system.
2: There is. And I will say that this year, um, so last summer, I could not tell you how many twenty six to twenty nine inch walleye's we caught. This summer we did not catch near as many big ones, and I, I don't know if they're dying of old age because I mean how how many lakes have that many, twenty six plus inch walleyes in it to begin with?
0: Do you ever find it weird though? I mean, Malax is an amazing fishery, and this is not knocking at all how few thirty inch walleyes come out of Malax yeah. compared to other bodies of water. Yep, it's like they they stop at twenty eight and that's right. it.
2: Well, and I mean if you I, look at most of the walleyes over twenty three right now. They're skinny. If you catch a, a 22 and under, they're fat, they're healthy, they look great. But if you catch one smaller than that, they just, they are they look very unhealthy. So I don't know if, I don't know what the forage base is for those larger fish versus the smaller fish.
0: I, I don't know. It's, unless, it's unless weird. there's a lower population like Cisco or something, one of the greasier type fish. Right.
2: Well, there's a ton of uh, Cisco in there right now, a ton.
0: Like, but are they smaller? Or, I don't I mean, know. I, I don't, don't
2: know about fry. I know there's a ton of large ones right now, so that is possible. Maybe there's a ton of big ones and just not a lot of fry right now. Yeah, because so the,
0: mus- the muskies get gigantic out right, there. Right. Yeah. So they're eating healthy for sure.
1: That's a cool lake, but it it's can be, It could be real tricky for sure. So in the winter, you're yep. spending most of your time on those, like yeah. pothole type lakes. Yeah.
2: Well, and I would say probably half of my winter is spent fishing for catfish through the ice. Really? Yeah
0: um like channel cats channel cats okay yeah like we don't know yeah there's no catfish opportunities near me right as far as close trips
2: yeah so we catch a lot of like two to four pound channel cats which is a lot of fun through the ice i'm sure they fight like crazy yeah because they're i mean
0: they're kind of a brute of a fish anyways
2: they pull and they roll and they tug it's interesting
1: Um, how do you target up catfish um
2: so it's really, really weird because you basically dead stick them. I mean, you rarely jig. Mm-hmm. Um, but you dead stick quickly, if that makes sense. So basically you drop down, you lift your bait a foot off the bottom and just let it sit there. Watch the flasher for five minutes. If I don't see anything, I go to the next hole.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, So cause it's more like a hole hopping. hole hopping,
2: dead sticking. Okay. It's really, really different. And, and it's tough to do with, you know, because you'd think, why not throw tip-ups and stuff out? Um, and tip-ups I struggle with because the fit, the, the catfish like to grab the bait and let go of it. Well, with a the tip-up, they let go of the bait and then the bait falls to the bottom and then they don't eat it. Ooh. If it's not sitting there motionless, most of the time they won't eat it. So I think if we were able to use something like a jaw, excuse me, a jaw jacker or some sort of auto setting tip-up, I think we would do very well with them. Sure. But obviously we can't do that. I
0: don't know why they're illegal. In the I,
2: I agree with you. I it, don't.
0: It's like a whole two line things. Like right. it doesn't make, your limits aren't going to change. Nope. It would be better, like for me personally, like two lines in the summertime would be awesome. Because well, when I'm fishing slip bobbers with the kids, you know I can throw a spread of six slip bobbers sure. out, and it's not like I'm more productive. No, or I'm gonna. Keep, are you gonna keep, keep any more? No, I'm gonna keep the same right. eight fish that I would eight yep. crappies that I would keep normally. It's just then my trip can be shorter right. and more productive, and yeah. my kids are happier. Plus, they get to watch six bobbers for versus. Sure two or three
2: yeah and i mean honestly if they're that worried about it reduce the limits and up the lines i mean i would gladly do that yes because i would like think trolling i hate trolling especially by yourself oh cool i'm dragging one bait around and now i got to keep changing one bait and hopefully i get lucky
0: and pick the right bait that's why you have kids you just so you can put line (laughs) after line (laughs) out there literally so my kids are the other you know they can grab a line here and there and you you have two lines out, right? I mean, it works perfectly for me. He gets to sit on his tablet while we're trolling, and I'm trolling two lines, and he's got one, and I have one. We both for sure. claim one. Yep, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that, I've, I mean, I've done that before, but yeah, it's it's uh, you got to take advantage easier. of what you have, and plus it,
1: you uh, can borrow some of John's kids sometimes. <laughs> you can have at least two of them.
2: <laughs> at least two. Yeah. So um, so the catfish is is a little different. Um, and i don't know it, it's something that if you've never done it before it would be hard to just go out there and do it without i mean there's plenty of youtube videos and people out there doing videos that you could figure it out but if you just went out there blindly saying hey i'm gonna catch a catfish you probably catch one you're just not gonna have 50, 100 fish days most likely no well, man, which that's... is very very possible for catfish do they are they a
0: schooling type fish? Generally, yes. Okay, because I don't yeah. I don't know anything yep. about their behavior in the winter. Yeah.
2: So last winter was uh, kind of eye opening once I got my live scope um, because then I could actually watch the fish.
0: Live um, scopes a, a game changer. Yeah, for it's sure. Unbelievable and for me
2: as a guide in the winter time. It to me it's invaluable because I, I'm not going to fish with live scope. I've tried and it it's miserable to fish with because it's slow, laggy, delay. But for finding fish, I don't know that I would want to guide anymore without it in the winter. Because and and I don't think I drill any less holes during the day. That's where a lot of people are like, oh, it's like cheating because you're not gonna, you don't have to find them. Well, you would be surprised how many schools of crappies you find that you never would have saw before. Because I can drill a hole, look with my live scope, be like, hey, there's a school thirty feet that way. I watch them drill the hole and the fish just scatter around that hole. You could drop a flasher down and be like, nope, there's no fish here.
0: Oh, I never never thought about that. Yeah, able to visual like you for sure. I can see
2: them scattering. But the problem is, is those fish never stop moving. There's a ton of schools of crappies and panfish that won't stop moving. You drill a hole, they're gone. So you basically have to drill a huge grid of holes and then chase them around. So you're doing the exact same thing you did before LiveScope, only now you can follow the school a little easier. So it's the same amount of work. You can just be a little more efficient while doing
0: it. But it could be a little bit more frustrating too. Oh, for the, sure. Because you, you can see can them there. see the fish yep. and you're like, oh, drilled in the wrong, like, if you don't drill far enough ahead of them for sure or far enough behind them or wherever, because yep. I'm sure they circle in a kind of a pattern generally. Yeah. Yep. Um, but they, I mean, crappies do move a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot a more lot. than I thought. I mean, yeah. sometimes if I'm in a certain base and I will just sit still, it's yep. not worth it to chase. Cause you them. know,
2: they're going to come back in and 20 then, minutes.
0: Yeah. You just watch your clock every 20 yep. minutes. You're like, okay, now get Getting serious. Ready. like, there's going to be three of them that come by. Or probably 7,000, but only three You catch three. Yeah, Yeah. because I'm not that fast.
1: (laughs) For sure. If you you could have more lines, you'd be better.
0: Yeah, if I could have four lines, it'd be better. Right. Well, I mean, the limit's still 10, so. Yeah, and I would keep my three, four fish. Because I I usually try to, whatever I'm catching, I want to eat. Yeah. I don't like to freeze a lot of fish because it's not as good. For
1: sure, totally agree. And Um, and you can't keep more than that anyway. Your limit anyway. Yeah, your daily
0: and your possession are the same. And my kids eat fish, so, you know, that, that is a little, that is helpful too because then, you know, my kid can have three, four fish, but he probably doesn't eat as much as I do. Right. Yep.
2: But so anyway, back to the catfish, the, the live scope, it, it made me realize how many come in or come near you that you never see on your flasher because a lot of times I'm fishing, you know, less than 20 feet of water. Well, if that fish doesn't come directly underneath me, I had no idea they were there, but like yeah. you realize how many fish will come and just look at your line from ten feet away and just be like, "Nah."
0: Well, in the flasher world, people don't realize that that cone is so is small, unbelievably small. It's yeah. you know they they show the circle; it's a nine degree cone. Well. That's only like a three foot circle right. at 12 feet of water. Well, and it, the depth. The other yeah.
2: thing is, is it's not really a cone. If you've actually like tested a cone, like there can be dead spots in that cone. Like, so I drop it down nine feet and I can see it, but then I drop it down 12 feet and it's like, where'd my bait go? And then I drop it down another two feet and it's like, oh, there it is again.
0: We, I learned that in Canada on rock shelves yep, for where sure. you'll be <clears> fishing <throat> and it, you'll drop your jig down to 60 feet and then you let your line out and you'll go down i don't know forever again and you're like oh i'm i'm actually in 120 feet but it's just picking up one rock so right. you have this huge dead zone for sure and i caught a laker in no man's land on my yep my markham and i was like where did it go and he caught him and it brought him up and then it's like oh 60 feet of water there he is and it's like it was just i never realized how much you could be missing yeah. oh
2: yeah the cone. i mean your uh your flashers you're always gonna have dead zone. Like there's people like, well, this this flasher doesn't work good because I I can't see my bait for the last foot and a half. And it's like, well, are you on completely flat ground underneath? You know, is it is it flat underneath you? Because if not, whatever that highest point is that your sonar hits, that's that's it. That's the depth. Yeah. So you it might be five feet deeper than that, and your bait can go five feet deeper, but you're not gonna
0: see that. Or rocks, it does right. weird exactly. things in rocks. Yep. If you're on slate, or that's the high spot. I mean, you have no idea. There can be exactly. all kinds of weird. Sonar's stuff. weird. I don't. I don't try to act
2: like I know what it's doing. I I know more than some, I'm sure. But but yeah, it's kind of
0: a whole different world. It's a little bit of
2: magic. Yeah, it is. You know totally, know I mean? I totally agree. It's like I, I just yeah. kind
0: of accept. It. It's like okay, I think yep. I saw you know a crane down there, or it's like SpongeBob, or you know that's yeah. like, my kids always joke. It's there. They'll look at the the side scan or the down view, and they're like, oh dad, that looks like SpongeBob. I'm like I don't know if that looks like SpongeBob, but let's go fish whatever that thing is yeah. because yeah. it's we'll structure, for sure. So do you use a camera much then? Uh, more
2: for scouting weeds than anything, you know, if I'm fishing shallow. Because when you're fishing shallow, there again, I guess the live scope has changed it a lot for me because you can actually see fish in the weeds if they're not too thick. But uh, when they're buried down in the weeds, you basically just have to drop a camera down and look around. Because unless the f- you can't just drop a flasher down and say, no, there's no fish here
0: because all you're seeing is weeds. So I had a gill bite last year, late March, right before COVID hit and it was it was one of the craziest bites ever because it was the ice was already starting to melt and you could see where the bottom was on a shallow sandbar. Yep. And then you could see where the weeds were still green, but you almost could see through the ice, but the bluegills were so Mingle in the weeds that your flash was pointless correct it was all you see was just solid red right and you just try to see a flicker every once in a while you jig to the flicker right yeah you just saw something move yeah and, and obviously was, the weeds aren't moving that much down there no it, i mean it looked like it was almost too chaotic but once you figured it out it was it was right. an awesome bite and it you know we were fishing in four feet of water with right. three feet of ice so it was pretty pretty minor so you know? what does weeds look like on live scope
2: uh, honestly on live scope it looks like weeds it's you so the, the picture on live scope is pretty awesome. So yeah. pan optics was like the previous mm-hmm. was pretty terrible. You would just see a wall and it's like, well, I can't, can't see anything, p- excuse me, past that. But, uh, with the live scope, you can see individual stocks of weeds. You can see fish between the weeds. Um, it, it works pretty well for that. Yeah. Um, I was, I was never really a, a naysayer of, of live scope, but I will say that I'm, I'm definitely a believer once I've had it, it. It just makes my job easier in locating fish.
1: I mean, it's a, it's a big machine. For
2: sure. You're, you're it's hauling not, around a lot of stuff. It's cumbersome. I mean, you don't, I don't just walk around with it. Early ice, it sits in a sled, and I drag it. I'm not going to carry it around because yeah, it's, it's heavy. It's,
0: it's not portable. No. I mean, if they made a portable one, game over for everybody. Right. If it was portable and under 1000 bucks,
2: Well, you would be amazed how many people last year I saw. There'd be a group of six guys, all of them with scope, fishing next to each other.
0: It was hilarious, <laughs> but isn't there's a le- I mean, I've heard there's a lag. it's, leg. Okay. it's yeah, definitely it's so. It's terrible. not something you want to be fishing no, with. You
2: can don't get me
0: wrong. It's well,
2: just you have to realize that that fish might be spitting that bait out before you even saw it get to your bait on the flasher or on the on the yeah, solar. Yeah,
0: you could be on the second for bite sure before you it's, even.
2: You're,
1: you're noticing it spitting it out. So I, I have a buddy that's got it, and he we'll go out and he'll drill, or we'll drill a line of holes, and he'll put it down. On one end right yeah. and shoot the whole thing right and then do what you were saying like okay they've moved to that area go exactly try those holes now so it's yep. not as much of a you know sit down and immediately fish the no. machine but yep. it, it definitely well, lets you see underwater
2: for me now i can especially with clients i can be sitting you know they're walking around with their flashers um and i can be like hey go go hit that hole over here to the left of you 20 feet to the left or i'll just run and punch a bunch of holes quick and hope the fish didn't move when I drilled the holes because it really, it really makes you realize how skittish the fish are of augers. And it's funny because when I was younger, everybody said, oh, electric augers, they're so much quieter, you know, it doesn't scare the fish. Well, it's it's no
0: quieter below the water. No, it's the carving of the ice. Exactly. If you ever listen to, I mean, as a kid, you put your head under the water, you hear an outboard across the lake. Exactly. It's super loud. Right. The water, there's no... The sound waves don't dissipate. Right. They actually... It's not hitting anything. No, it just, it, it goes everywhere. And that's sure. why, you know, I mean, you can yep. hear everything underwater. But it just makes you realize
2: how, how skittish those fish are of noise. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like I said, there's times where you, you see fish, you might as well go drill a grid of 100 holes, leave for 30 minutes, and come back. Because all you're doing is pushing those fish around, but then you come back and now the fish at least at least there's a hole there's holes in the area the fish are swimming around.
1: Yeah, so they're not going to abandon that area completely.
2: Right. Well, it depends. I mean, what I do with clients and what I'll do with myself or buddies is not always the same thing. It just depends on um, you know how much work they're willing to put in. Because there's some people they just want to have a good time, hang out. We'll set up a shack and we'll wait for the fish to come in.
0: And sometimes I've, I've learned now. I used to be the run and gun all the time. Sometimes it is kind of enjoyable to sit back and enjoy for fishing sure. and Absolutely. enjoy that. You know, you don't have distractions. Yep. You turn off your phone for four hours. It's that's kind what of I prefer. I, I yeah. like
1: that. I am going
0: at night. I'm not going to run around at night. I just right. No. Flip the house up. Punching holes at night and trying to grid out a lake at night in the dark is not a good idea. No. It's a lot of work too. I mean, I, everything's
2: harder in the dark. Everything. Mm-hmm. Everything
0: breaks faster, mm-hmm. and you can get some serious inri- injuries from, for sure. you know, Strike Master blades or any, well, any, any kind of dual blades. They're pretty sure. sharp.
2: Well, and I will say, so last winter, um, a buddy and I were out fishing, and hit the bottom of his auger was all iced up. And mm. it doesn't matter if you got a center point or not. When it's really cold and you start getting ice buildup, he hit the trigger on his drill, and that, dr- that auger walked right into his foot, cut through his boot, cut Ugh. into his toe, and I had to bring him to the emergency room. Yeah, so, I mean, yes. there's case in point. Exactly. Be smart about it. And that was when it was light out.
0: So, oh, So the problem <laughs> is,
2: is when it's dark, now, you wouldn't even see that there was ice on the bottom of your auger. You'd grab that auger, you'd hit the trigger, and boom. And and the, the crazy part is, he had no idea he cut his foot. I'm just like, hey, we got to take your boot off. He's like, oh, it just cut the boot. And I'm like, I doubt that. Yeah,
0: when you see the blood run out of well, his toe, I'm sure it was it, a little different. Well, it
2: different. wasn't even that. It's just, if it cut through the boot, there's no
0: way that it didn't hit your foot. No, because your toes are usually pretty touching much on the top, boot yeah. unless you have giant you know extra insulation correct in your boots but most people don't have mickey right. mouse boots anymore nope. and stuff like that no nope. so yeah so, so ba- if, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. But... so back on like dissecting a lake yeah. so what so if, say i'm i'm you i'm going out i want to go fish decent size kills what okay. are you looking for first ice? Well... Because that's what we're going to be talking about, hopefully, in the next week. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's it's, it's some tw- good fall fishing to be it, had it's yet. Some, it's some 2020 time, so let's, uh, let's I'll get I'll be honest crazy. with
2: you. Early ice is probably when I struggle the most. Um, early ice can be very tough. I have a few lakes that I go to that I just know the fish are going to be where they are, and I could not tell you why they're there. Because on another lake, they're not in that same area. I mean, I have found them in a basin in 30 feet of water, early ice, and I found them in five feet of water, early ice. So I, I think it depends a lot on the lake. Um, this obviously isn't helping you much, but there...
0: No, I'm just... Early, I'm, I'm early, early
2: ice, I. that's my weakness. If there's one thing that I need to get better at, it's early ice panfish. But early ice, I usually focus on walleyes because to me, that's, that's my favorite time to fish walleyes is early ice. You know, nobody's been out there for potentially over a month and those fish have been undisturbed. So... Early ice, they just the, the walleyes are just aggressive. Before you can get, be, before people are out there, you know, I'm walking a mile and a half sometimes to get to where I want to go, um, and you just got to be willing to put that work in because rarely are good spots close to the access or within short walking distance.
0: And I, I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one because I've learned at least in the Brainerd Lakes area, half the time the access is the best point in the entire lake. And oh, there is everyone, definitely lakes like as that. as soon as you have truck traffic, it's gone. But it's always that first little bit of ice, you know, you get out on four inches and you're still walking. Like I have one spot, it's just a big inside bay and it's it's like kind of picturesque. Yeah. But as soon as the, as soon as you get truck traffic, that spot's done for the year. Well, I have, I have
2: one of the spots that I fish early ice. It's, I mean, it's a mile and a half walk, but it's also a, so there's a really shallow bay for a mile and a half. Right. So you basically got to get to that deeper water. And once you can drive on that lake every single vehicle which there is hundreds of them out there drives over that spot so if you can go there during the week um in an evening you might catch some fish but if you go out there on a weekend trying to catch walleyes Good
0: luck. Well, and it's a lot. I mean, yeah. truck traffic does. A lot know, of noise. Like in the metro, it's just, it's crazy. I'm, once people start driving, there's so many spots that just, and I don't know if the fish spook off the spot or there's just so much added pressure or it, it's just, they don't want to bite. Well,
2: and I know in a lot of the lakes I've fished there, the, I still see the fish. I can still mark them. I can still get them to chase. I just can't get them to bite. Interesting. Um, so it's like they're, and I, I would say there's less fish there, but it's like, they're just more leery because of all the noise. You know, it, to me, pressure is the worst thing for any kind of fish, um, especially the catfish that I fish. I won't, I won't drive on top of where I think the fish are. I will park a hundred yards away and I will walk there, because okay. it. For one, catfish can hear things and feel. They have, from what I hear, they have the the um, most sensitive lateral line
0: of any of the fish, so they can feel from a long ways away. Well, I mean, that's kind of the way they're designed. They're a, right. a bottom feeder. They're they're feeling around looking exactly. for. Either dead stuff or decaying stuff. Yep. Living in that muddy water. So, what do you use to catch catfish then in the winter? Um, time?
2: Uh, for the most part, just a small spoon, and then I take. Uh, so it's got a treble hook, like a I, rat,
0: rabbit foot. No, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'll take um, three fat heads and bust them in half, throw the tails away, and throw all three heads on a treble hook. So it's kind of like... Just a meat chandelier, as Matt Johnson calls it. Eel a little it. bit?
0: Like, exactly. Okay. Only
2: you're not actively jigging like eel pout, pounding the bottom. It's more or less... Most of the time, you're letting it sit. Occasionally, I'll jig to get them to come in, but once they come in, you just hold that steady.
0: So they're not Don't a real move. aggressive no. fish? Kind of like, I mean...
2: A lot of times, if... if so I actually use um, very light rods, like, like a bullwhip style rod something with a soft tip because if you use something hard for one uh they're gonna feel it and they're gonna let go because they got a really hard mouth so they're gonna feel that pressure um so i, I basically let them let that rod load up and then i set the hook okay. uh, a lot of times i will literally set my rod on the ice and just watch the rod tip
0: so it's sometimes like when crappies turn super negative yes. and you literally you can watch them eat it suck it in and it's like okay yep. now i can set the hook Correct. because if you touch it they'll they'll spook exactly because then it's moving too much yep
2: yep so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much pretty much it, a spoon with a treble hook. And usually I, I replace the treble hooks because treble hooks are garbage on most baits. And they're thin wire. Catfish have a hard mouth. So I just upsize a little bit so I can have those three pieces of meat on there and still have some hook exposed.
0: That makes sense. Do you ever yeah. catch walleyes when you're doing that yeah. stuff too? Well, yeah. just
2: For sure. Big crappies too. Yeah. I mean, you're, you'd you be surprised how many 14-inch crappies I've caught on a quarter-ounce spoon with three giant fatheads
0: on it. Well, they're and they just whack it. People don't realize that Crappies when they get that big, I mean, you look, you look at their mouth; they're they're aggressive. They're the fish. predator at that point.
2: Well, and they can move a lot of when they flare their gills, they move a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they can pull a quarter ounce bait in no problem.
0: Well, and that's why people like slab wraps and stuff have kind of for taken sure. on for big crappies because they're they're going for a big bait. They're yeah. not going for a tiny little, you know, a little minnow or a fry or something like that or a little bug. They want a hunk of meat. Right.
1: That, pan, or that crappie craze up on Red Lake, you know, a number of years ago, you weren't using ice flies for that. No. 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 Most of no. the
2: guys I know, they said if you could find small shiners, that was the best thing you could use. Well,
0: that's probably their forage. They right. can't get that big exactly. eating, you know, little tiny ice bugs. Right. Yeah. So if
1: uh, a client contacts you and wants to go out and you're up mm-hmm. in that St. Cloud, Alexandria area, yep. do they tell you the lake they want to go to or do you tell them where it's biting?
2: Generally, um, they're just going to say, hey, I want to catch this. Um, I ask them where they're willing to drive, how far they're willing to drive. And then we figured out from there and then, and also figure out their expectations. That's the biggest thing. If, if they want to just go out, hang out, have a good time and catch some fish, I'm going to take them to a different lake than somebody that says, Hey, I want to go out and potentially catch, you know, big crappies or big bluegills. Mm -hmm. You got to be willing to put the work in for that. Um, or be willing to sit out there after dark, which I don't, I don't do much after dark fishing anymore.
0: Um, is it? It's. I'm sure it's hard with people too. because yeah. I know when it when it flips the switch from light to dark in the wintertime, it gets cold. Yeah. Stuff for sure. It's brutal. I mean, absolutely. And also, your exposure is a lot higher. And yep. you, you if tear, you can
1: tear down, it gets complicated. Yeah. And all
2: it can it. be
0: a little disorienting. Too. And it's
2: different if you can drive on the lake versus if I'm taking a machine out with them. Because then at least you've got that vehicle. You know, you can fire the vehicle up 20 minutes before you leave, and if they get cold, just go hop in the truck.
0: Well, and I'm sure your your guide clients, I mean, a lot of them are probably not diehard fishermen. Correct. So they're coming out. They may not have the proper gear right. and like, you know, they don't have a floating suit. They don't have good boots. They're they're kind of coming out for fun, trying it maybe.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of variables on, on where we take them depending on what their expectations are. But generally speaking, I figure out what they want and then we decide where to go from there um, just, just based on on their expectations. That's really getting realistic expectations. So, because I don't want somebody, I'm not going to tell somebody, oh yeah, we're going to go smash 14 inch crappies around St. Cloud. That's not going to happen. Um, if they want that, I've got plenty of friends that live North farther that I would much refer them to versus me taking them out. Now I do have lakes where we catch 14 inch crappies, but you better be willing to run and gun all day long and because you're not those fish don't stop moving.
0: And you're probably not catching a ton of them. You're Correct. catching one or two. It's and like exactly. most lakes that have been pressured. I know I fish in the Brainerd Lakes area, and a lot of the good panfish lakes are pressured heavily. For sure.
2: Yeah, it, it, Saint Cloud is no different. I mean, there's a lot of lakes that we have. Some lakes that have some really big crappies, but they're so pressured. And if there's a lot of people out there, you might as well not go because uh it, it just makes it tougher and it like i said it depends on what they're willing to do if they're willing to go and move around a lot and then it depends on the temperature like i said there's a lot of variables you know if it's 25 below outside well we're probably not going to be running and gunning too much today no. so we're going to have to go to a lake where i know we can set up and maybe whole hop around a little bit around the shack go back in the shack warm up for a little bit
0: um so what's the best part about being a guide because it's i mean from the sounds of that that sounds like a lot of work i mean um
2: it, i honestly work harder now than when i was a machinist like physically i'll tell you what the first 10 trips of ice fishing in the winter I am so sore. My whole body Ooh, hurts. I'm sure, I don't want to get up in the morning. I'm just like, why do I do this to myself? Well, it's but a, once you get it's into the a groove, full body
0: workout, for people sure, people don't realize like drilling holes. That's your your upper chest, yep. your upper body, and then you're pulling stuff, so you're burning core muscles, right. your legs, and I mean just just walking in snow and slush. I don't you. I don't know if St. Cloud dealt with slush like
2: we were really lucky last year. Um, we actually got enough slush or The ice sunk enough that the snow sunk and then everything froze. So So we had basically no slush. It was, it was great. So I actually had a ton of people coming to St. Cloud from other areas that, that have way better fishing, but they can't, they couldn't fish. They couldn't even get on the lake hardly.
0: Yeah. Brainerd was terrible for slush up through Bemidji. And then, like, I know Emily was really bad for slush. I mean, it was. Reamer? Oh my gosh, Reamer was
2: bad. Yeah, I went to Reamer
0: Lake at first ice, and it was the first three quarters of a mile we walked through, like, a foot of water. Right. It was terrible. A
2: buddy of mine left his snowmobile on the lake for a month till it froze. Because he's like, I can't do anything. There's nothing I can do. How do you get to it? No. You're not going to get five, you're not going to just drag it off i mean you you would need 15 people to drag it through that slush
0: yeah because there's a lot i mean the snowmobile weighs a lot but the slush makes it a hundred times harder
2: well and of course the lake he was on he was a mile and a half down a logging road
0: just to get to the lake yeah Yeah, so you just leave it that makes the worst kind of environment for sure yeah
2: so anyway um what what were we even talking about so (laughs) what you like (laughs) the most what's
1: your favorite part about guiding
2: yeah okay so honestly i i love meeting different people and i love teaching So teaching is probably the the most fun part. I have a lot of people that they're less worried about catching fish and more worried about learning something, which to me, that's, that's my favorite because yeah, we can go out and catch all the fish you want, but I want you to go home with an education, you Mm -hmm. know, and I, I don't claim to know everything, but I know something that maybe they don't, and I might learn something from them. You know, it's a constant learning process. I'm learning every single day and I would like to teach as much as I can every single day.
0: That's, that's really cool because that's what I've learned from the guides that I've went with. It's, it's not ab- always about like catching fish. It's about understanding that body of water, learning right. a little bit more and, and truly getting a better understanding of fishing in general. Right. I mean, I know I fished with some guides that only fish ice flies for crappies and bluegills. And it's like, well, what are these going to do? Well, when that cold front hits and it turns to 25 below, those ice flies can be dynamite. Yep. They can be the only thing that's biting. Um, Because those fish turn so negative.
2: And you can learn, uh, I take a lot of people out that, uh, I take them out every year and they go with multiple guides every year and everybody does things a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And then what they can do is pick the things they like or dislike. And, you know, they can, they can build their skill set off of what others do. And, you know, maybe, maybe they like what I do here, but they like what somebody else does somewhere else. And all they got to do is just pile that together and kind of get their own program going. Um, i know
1: i know for the times that i've hired guides it's been I, i'm not going to be able to hire a guide every time i want to go fishing for but, sure so Absolutely. i want i want to learn the skill and then yeah. be able to go out and do it myself I, i've literally huge. had
2: people call me and say i don't care if we catch a fish all day i want to learn how to read my electronics and see what a fish looks like because you would not believe how many people have eighty thousand dollar boats and they cannot read their
0: electronics it, it's you know the the old motto is it's not the Indian or it's not the bow. It's the Indian behind Correct. it. I mean, for sure. And it's the truth because it doesn't matter how good of equipment you have. You still may not be able to yep. find fish or even catch fish because for sure. You, if you don't know how to use it, yep. it's pointless.
2: Now I, I would say I have less people. I, I, I still get a lot of people that don't know how to read a flasher, but a flasher is so, it's so simple to teach somebody to read a flasher. You can um, learn it quick. A lot of people think they're very, very complicated until you actually just like, look, this is my jig going up and down. That's a fish coming at it. Okay. Now they know what they're doing. That's yeah. it. That's it, really it,
0: all it takes. It's very simple. It's just yep. having the fish, you know, for me, it's like, where are the fish? Correct. Sometimes it's like, I could drill 500 holes and never find them. Right.
1: If my dad, who I still need to install apps on his phone for him, can figure out how to use a Vexlar, then yep. for sure. anyone can figure it out. Yeah.
2: But a boat electronics are... That's a different deal. Oh, man. I mean, I don't know everything by any means. But I, I, am pretty, I'm, I'm very confident in my electronics on my boat. Um, I know if I see a fish, it's a fish, you know, and there's a lot of people that they're like, well, why is that a fish? Well, I try to explain it to them and more or less, it's just hours and hours of staring at it, especially when I'm looking at my 2d and I see a fish laying on the bottom in the mud, you know? So then I flip over to my down imaging, which I don't look at my down imaging a lot. A lot of people do, but I'll be like, look, you can hear show or see the separation between the fish and the bottom. They're like, well, how'd you know that was a fish on the 2D? And it's like, well, I've just stared at it for seen hundreds enough. and hundreds of hours.
0: Yeah. You, you've you put in the time right. and that's, I think that's what the biggest thing is, is putting in the time. For but sure. you being a guide, it kind of, you probably take that learning curve away from people sometime and teach for them. For sure. Absolutely. You know, you can watch a video, you can do all kinds of stuff, but having, you're basically a tutor to them Yeah, and teaching them like, how do you do this? How, how does this work? And it that is kind of an amazing thing.
2: Well, then for one, they can actually get answers to questions. You know, you, you watch a YouTube video and it's like, whoa, what about this? Well, it's not like they can answer the question. You know, now they can just say, hey, Matt, what do you do? Or what is this down here? You know, because I get a ton of people there. Well, my graph just shows pictures of fish. And it's like, well, you need to turn that off because that might just be weeds floating in the water. Yes, with the um, little
0: the little, little fish and then the 15 yeah, feet. It's like, yep. yeah,
2: that, you have no idea what that it, is. It's crap floating in the water. So, Do you
1: use your live scope on the boat?
2: Um, I do in the fall more than any other time. I do use it, but I should maybe use it more. But most of the time, I don't, I don't feel like I need to. Um, it, and it really depends on how deep I'm fishing. I would say the shallow fishing is when it's more beneficial to me. It's totally different. Like from a tournament angler's perspective, they're going to say something totally different because now they can single out the large fish, right? Mm-hmm. For me, it's more about putting the most fish in the boat that I can. And we're going to catch big fish while doing that, but I don't want to catch that one fish. I want to catch all 12 of them that are over there. Yes. You know, right. so I'm not trying to target that one fish, but in the fall for crappies, I don't want to guide in the fall without my live scope anymore because when the crappies are out in the basin, I can just follow the crappies around and I can look for the larger fish, you know, cause there's, there's giant schools, of little four inch crappies and I'll see boats sitting on top of them and fishing and fishing and they're like, oh, they're not biting. Well, they're
0: four inches long. Yeah, so. their mouths are not big enough yeah. to eat a mini mite yet. Yep.
2: So if you, you know, now I can go and find these small pods of fish that are roaming a lot faster, but now I can spotlock, catch one or two of them, then move, spotlock on top of them, catch one or two of them. So it, it definitely makes me more efficient.
1: So do you prefer open water or ice, or do you not really care? I,
2: I, I prefer open water. I, will, I love the changing of the seasons. But after about a month and a half of winter, I, I get sick of winter. I don't get sick of ice fishing, Sure, yep. if that makes sense. Yep, I get sick of the cold. I get sick of drilling through three feet of ice.
0: Well, yeah, the, that part of the season when it's February and you're yeah. drilling through mountains of ice, it does get, it's pretty taxing on your body.
2: And pan fishing, I mean, I honestly will drill 100 to 200 holes most days. There's a lot of people that say, oh, you don't drill that many holes. Well,
0: you haven't fished with So those. what kind of auger do you use?
2: I run a cordless drill and okay. a six-inch laser
0: hand auger. So, I mean, that's got to be pretty quick then. Yeah, it's
2: it's way it's very quick. Um, I've tried some of the other um, augers and they're not bad, but the hand auger to me, best bang for the buck. 6 inch laser hand well, they're auger. they're like six, can, 60 bucks, oh, aren't they're they? they're so che- Yeah, well, actually I think they're almost 100. Okay, retail, maybe I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit. But you can find them on sale for 60-80 bucks and they just the, the blades are cheaper. They're they're fast. For one, always carry an extra set of blades because laser blades are notorious for... You hit a a piece of sand and they're dull.
0: Uh, Go Um, to North Dakota once and they they last for like four minutes. And honestly,
2: it's terrible. I still do use an 8-inch K-drill for stuff like that. There's times, like if I'm fishing an area that gets fished a lot... I use that because I know at least if I dull my blades, I can still cut. Well, it might not be the quickest <laughs>
0: in the world. So many people dump, gonna cut. like you know, wood chips from their mealworms on the well, ice. There's a lot of think and, of your vehicles. Yeah, there's a lot of salt and sand, and yep. that's why I mean a lot of launches on real popular lakes. It's slushy all year long for sure because they're dragging the salt from the roads yeah. constantly in that water.
2: Yeah, yeah, they hit the they hit that the ice. And their vehicle bounces, and guess what? All that ice or all that salt and all that sand falls off and melts everything. But yeah, so well, you'll you... find that out in the middle of the lake, especially on a sunny day. Everybody's vehicle's dropping it, then you get a little snow, covers it up, boom, your blades are done.
1: Yeah. Are you changing batteries throughout the day then? Oh or... yeah.
2: So I have I think I got two twelves, two nines, an eight, and a bunch of fives. And I would say with my, with my nine, with a nine amp hour battery and a six inch laser, I would guess I can probably drill a hundred holes in 20 inches of ice at least. That's, I mean, that's, it's that's really efficient. good.
0: I mean, really good. That's, that's, <sighs> that's actually a, a really you good real, real world. good
2: blades though. Everybody tries to use their blades for three years. I change my blades twice a year.
0: Do you do anything to blades? Like, cause I always spray mine with like WD-40, um, especially if I fish the Metro cause there's a lot more junk right like salt and sand and so i try to like spray them down so they don't get rusty yeah because it it seems like for me if you get any rust on the blade they're junk well for sure because
2: now you got to think the finest edge on that on that blade is also rusting Mm -hmm. and you can't see
0: it yeah it's microscopic correct
2: so you're taking a you know a razor blade and rusting just the edge of it it's not going to be sharp anymore you try to shave with a rusty razor it's not going to work well, other than cut your face. Well, <laughs> you you
0: also haven't shaved in a while either. Yeah, so. Right, I, I
2: try not to. <laughs> um, but no, the um, I don't really do anything, but I'm I'm using it almost every day. So I basically I expect if I if I get more than a month out of a set of blades, which I do all the time. But it, to me, if I get a month out of them, they've they've earned their keep, and I'm willing to put a new set on them.
0: But people have to remember you getting a month on. So say you're fishing. We'll just wh- how many days a week do you fish?
2: Uh, I would say. Five to seven?
0: Okay, so we'll just make it easy math. You fish five days a week. It's yep. 20 days a month. Yep. And you drill, you say... Just that's say 100 on the 100, 100 low end. 100 holes. That's 2,000 holes. That's right. more than most anglers will fish... In the season correct. And multiple seasons. So
2: So for them, I would definitely say it's beneficial to spray it with um preferably even honestly silicone spray, because at least silicone isn't uh there's no petroleum base, which yeah, there's very minimal oil in it, but you don't want to be putting oil in the lake. But yeah, but by the um, time I go fishing
0: the next time. Oh Oh, well and WD forty (laughs) is totally different. That stuff is gone. It's already evaporated.
2: Um but it would definitely would be beneficial to protect your blades because um, now you get salt on your blades and you go put it in the shed for a week. It's going to rust hundred percent. The,
0: the nuts will and rust. And now they're done. And every, you know, I mean, people don't realize it's like you're trying to maintain. I mean, the bits are, I mean, even 80 bucks. They're not. You still don't want to throw them away. Yeah. They're not disposable at for that sure. point. They're not like a Bic razor where they're 49 cents. This is still fairly expensive. Um, and so then how do you know when it's time to switch? Are you feeling a performance um, change?
2: Well, yeah. So usually with a laser it goes from i'm cutting to i'm not cutting sure but i don't ever get that far usually it's i can just feel like i'm not getting enough holes per battery and i just i don't know i just throw new blades on it just or peace it, of mind it's
0: like struggling like you kind of feel it it's like it, with, you can feel it kind of being with laser. the six
2: inch you don't get that much okay on I know an eight, eight, eight inch you definitely inch you will feel it um but the six inches they're going so fast i just feel like you don't notice much um you know at 550 rpms i think of the surface footage on a sorry it's a machinist in me but (laughs) i think about the surface footage on a six inch i mean there it's spinning really fast on the outside of a six inch auger but now you go to an eight inch it's spinning way faster so there's a lot more torque on it so if it's dull at all it's you're going to notice it because it takes way more torque so an eight inch auger i believe cuts 80 85 percent more ice than a six inch
0: Really? It's, it's a circle. It's
2: correct. Yeah. it's So it's almost twice as much ice with an eight inch versus six. Whew.
0: That makes sense. Cause an eight inch hole looks a lot bigger yeah, than a six sure. inch hole. And then like a 10 inch hole. Uh, for me i don't ever fish 10 inch holes nope. anymore because my, my kids, kids will fall through yeah my kids boot right. falls through as he found out last year and every year that he finds a 10 inch hole it's yep. just it's a magnet it looks form. like a garbage can it's amazing how many people ice. use them to crappie fish though they're so big well they're so much fun cuz you can see the crappie like yeah, 30 that's feet true. down <laughs> you put a couple of them together and it's like you have a you know it's like a, it's a speed set speed of binoculars down there <laughs> yeah. um i do have one quite one thing that you said earlier tournament fishing i know live scopes kind of a touchy issue right now because I know for like the the panfish circuits people said if you have live scope you're going to do well if you don't you're kind of out of the game but part of me says when you were talking about it it's a lot more work and a lot more stuff to drag around so you're not as not as mobile maybe
2: Well I so from what I've seen is there's I and I'm not talking about tournament anglers necessarily but I watch people waste a lot of time with live scope because for one People, they're tearing it down, they're setting it up, and they're like, oh, there's fish over there, and they spend more time trying to get on those fish rather than just saying, okay, we're not going to catch those fish today. Let's let's go find a different school of fish, um, which I, I don't spend a whole lot of time trying to get on a school of fish. If I can't keep up with them, I'm not going to chase them. It's not worth it.
0: Well, if they're skitterish and they're, I mean, what right. you said, you drill one I, hole. I and need to get my school. guys on,
2: or my clients on fish. We're a tournament angler. If they know they're the right fish, yeah, they're going to put the time in because all they need to do is catch eight, yeah. eight of each. You know, they
0: don't need to catch 40. No, and you need to catch more than like right, 40, even exactly. if people are not keeping some. Correct. People want entertainment throughout the day. For sure.
2: Um, but yeah, the I would say most of the tournament circuits are allowing live scope now, ice fishing that I know of. Um, and I don't know. I think you can still do well without it. It's just on those tough days. I think the tough days is when it would make a difference just to be able to stay on them. Like lakes like Clearwater, uh, by, uh, Clearwater, Minnesota, I don't know if yeah. you're familiar with no, I, and- Those fish, they don't stop moving. They're ridiculous out there. They're extremely light biting and finicky. So there's some areas where the fish will literally sit there all day long, but there's millions of little ones in there. And you got to pick through those to get to the big ones. But then there's schools of giants that just
0: don't stop moving
2: if you could stay on that school of giants you could do well
0: but it's i mean as everyone's found out it's very hard to stay on a for sure ba- if it's a bigger basin and they're circling around even with live scope it, it can be well it almost is like a you know it's like oh they're you know 30 feet in front of you well you drill those holes they spook off it's like you're, you're never going to keep up right. it's almost better just to go know. pick through the little ones yeah because yep. there are probably bigger ones and always the little for schools sure. too for sure
1: yeah I've always wanted to fish clear water. It's, my dad lives in that area. It's I've, I've heard it's got some springs, and it's a little bit treacherous yeah. at times.
2: There's Well, for one, there's there's moving water in it. So, um, like, between the narrows and stuff, there's moving water, and the ice can be thin. Um, for that matter, going into the Black Pool, there's springs in that area, which the Black Pool is one of the accesses, and there's a shallow, basically a shallow reef, and then there's a deep hole at the access, or at the access, and there's shallow water in between their with springs, so it yeah. can be sketchy.
1: That that it, that does not make me feel like I should go out there. <laughs> That's, I feel the same way about Pulaski; just yeah.
0: a little spooky.
2: Yeah. Okay. I've never been on Pulaski in the winter. I, I haven't either because I've heard it <laughs> I heard it's spooky. <laughs>
0: I guess I'll stay away from there then. I think I have a real healthy respect for any lakes that have springs or moving water. For sure. That's because you've gone swimming a few times. Yes. Yeah. That'll it's, happen. It is a terrifying thing. Yeah. Yep. But you probably have a float suit or something like yep. that. I mean, you have to be smart about it, and well, you're, you're taking out customers, so it's not like you're going to be like, "Hey, let's go jump this river." Right? It, you gotta, you gotta be conscious of what the person's abilities yep. are. I mean, I'm sure you deal with people from all aspects. Realistic of Realistic
2: expectations. Yeah,
0: and just you know, probably you probably have to be very honest with them. What what can they do versus what can you bring them to? Right. For sure. Yep. yep. We really
1: appreciate you coming out tonight, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. If people want to get
0: a hold of you, how do they do that?
1: Um, you can either
2: go to my website at mkfishingguideservice.com or give me a call at 320-260-5494.
1: Awesome. That's awesome, yeah. And, and you're doing summer, winter, all the time? All year long. Excellent. Yep. Well, you've been listening to another episode of The Iceman. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for latest up-to-date information about upcoming episodes. And subscribe to us on, on Spotify and wherever else you find podcasts. Have a great night. Thank you, guys.